So even if you were using, funny enough, and this actually ha is happening today. So even if a customer is using our e-commerce platform for you know items one through five, they might still be using Shopify or Magento or Hybris or something else that's out in the market. And so this effectively this you know data layer that we've we've created or the CDP that we've created allows our customers to consume information from anywhere, while at the same time having the single customer view. So if, you know, Hillel is sending out a, a email campaign, of course, that that's gonna, you know, show up on Ross's profile, or Ross is visiting the site and looking at these products, or he submitted a ticket because, you know, shipped or his product hasn't arrived or he's opened up a chat box. All of that is coming into one singular area. So across your business, you know, any department, any person who has access to that gathers all that information on that single customer and can therefore, you know, service and support them better or market to them better. Today in Inboxing, Ross Andrew Paquette, Chairman and CEO at Maropost. And welcome back to another episode of Inboxing. Inboxing is the podcast all about email marketing. And today we have an amazing guest. Really, we're very honored. Really, someone who came up uh, just in the last eight years and become really a dominant player in the field and recently made a big purchase. Now they're part of an email, they're not just an email sender anymore. They're really, you know, much bigger than that. And um, it's really amazing to, uh, to have our guests on today. Um, and I think you'll enjoy this a lot. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, so uh, without any further ado, please welcome Ross Andrew Paquette. And I hope I said that right and help correct me in a second if I didn't say it right. You absolutely How did. How do I say it? Yeah, all right. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people say parquet all the time or parquet. I do. <laughs> right? Paquette, paquetti, paquette. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, no, the first time I wrote it, I like, you know, I had to, I put an R in there and I was like, wait, no, I don't think there's an R. Yeah, okay. Oh, we got it. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, really, we're really honored to have you on today. And uh, let's just jump right in. So, yeah. So, all right. Ross Andrew Paquette. Paquette. Tell me. Paquette. You said it right the first time. Okay. I screwed it up. All right. Yeah. Well, QU often goes like like quack, quack. But no. Okay. Paquette. All right. So, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah. Where are you from? What, you know, how did you get there? Yeah, for sure. So, I'm Canadian outside of this year or this last 13 months of lived in Canada pretty much my whole life. Maripost is based out of Toronto now at this point, but I'm actually from a really small town in northern Ontario, Timmins. I doubt anybody listening would would have heard of that before. It's a mining and forestry town. Family still lives in Canada, though. And yeah, the company's really been able to grow there now. You know, now we're in four different continents. So, lots of expansion from that perspective. Yeah, happy to dive into the background a little bit. I mean, I worked in uh, tech sales was sort of my one of my first roles. Very quickly ended up at a, an email marketing provider, I guess you could say. Grew there really quick from you know kind of inside sales rep to director of sales within within a year. Then went off to work for a US based company, and actually while I was there, decided that um, you know I launched my own company. And at the time, the the focus was to you know was to just have a bit of a lifestyle business. Let's call it. As in, I was going to get ten customers, you know, do a half a million in revenue a year, have a, like a pretty you know decent product, and really just kind of enjoy from there and naturally things have uh, expanded dramatically since since that time right it's interesting just i'm curious to hear from you like how do you think growing up in a small town in northern ontario has helped you get to where you are like does that give you like big dreams when you grow up in a small town like that not 
Funny enough, uh, <laughs> not really. I mean, yes and no. I, I so it was, I, I'd say there was a bunch of you know very much positives that when, whenever I start a family, I would I would sort of focus on the same. Where uh, I played a lot of sports when I was younger. I skied for the Canadian ski team. I rode professionally. I, I played uh, soccer, football, depending on what continent you're on, professionally as well. And so, what did you ride? like rowing like uh, crew rowing oh rowing okay i thought yeah rowing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay <laughs> i heard road so it's like maybe you're riding oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no no lots of moose ride grew up funny enough but yeah so so i, I think though growing up in a small town the one thing that was really great is i spent all of my time outdoors right It'd be much different than living in a big city like like toronto or where i went to university which was which was Ottawa, which is, you know, just quite a bit of a, a different lifestyle to that. And at the same time, I mean, I, I do think it, you know, keeps you very grounded to, you know, your family and sort of the way of living in, in those much smaller, more remote regions. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. What drove you, you know, to start Maripost? I mean, you said a second yeah. ago that it was, yeah. So like, yeah, tell us about like, how that yeah. get going? Yeah, so I, actually, the main reason I started the company is in looking at the landscape, and this is now ten or even eleven years ago, and it ha- really hasn't changed all that much. The, the driving factor was the support side of things. So people really weren't, uh, or customers, sorry, really weren't getting the support for the price they were paying. And, and back then, you know, prices were quite a bit higher in terms of the overall industry. It didn't matter if you were on, you know, Mailchimp or Salesforce Marketing Cloud or uh, or any uh, solution out there. And so, really, that was the driving force: is that I was going to start this business you know, again, grow it to half a million or something like that and provide 24 hour support. So mind you, at the time, we were only four people. So Ross was the support mm-hmm. rep. So I would just leave the live chat open or leave the ticket system open and answer them whenever mm-hmm. whenever they came in or instantly whenever they came in. And so we've taken a lot of those philosophies all the way to today. I mean, our, our support side is still industry leading. Everything we do is 24 hours a day. We've got every you know, almost every channel, you know, possible where customers can speak to, uh, you know, a, a person, whether in app chat, obviously the phone, tickets have a five minute response time. So we've really carried that through all the way to uh, until today. Oh, wow. All right. I did yeah. not realize that. We should yeah, probably talk about well, it more, but we, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah, you definitely should be talking about that more because it's not, you know, it's not some, you know, usually a company that's super mm. focused like that, like you'll, you'll know it, you know, like Absolutely. customer service is our thing. Like you are the number yeah. one, which is exactly. Actually, but it's not mm-hmm. always that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now you're more than just an ESP. You want to talk about that? Like transitioning? Yeah, absolutely. To yeah, so we actually yeah. have had a really interesting backstory, and a lot of this is, it, it, you know, it's public knowledge, which relates to the question around the e-commerce side of things. So we we actually are 100% employee-owned, which is quite unique in in the tech community, and especially for for our size. But we actually did have, I wouldn't call them investors; they were more partners. But we had people come into the business, purchase 25% in an all secondary round, so meaning the the liquidity went to the the shareholders or the, effectively the owners. And we actually bought them out two years ago, and so. That's a bit of a unique, you know, of course, journey as well. And and as that relates to e-commerce, a big part of the vision, I guess you'd say going back to 2016, was more of a, I don't want to use the words all-in-one solution because that's really not it, but sort of the all-in-one solution for the e-commerce industry in particular, where we would cover, of course, the marketing side of things that, that we've, you know, got 12, 14 years experience in, but also jumping into the commerce side. And then further to that, the service and support side. So service and support, I mean, like a Zendesk or Freshdesk, um, you know, gorgeous of the world where uh, we're managing chats, chatbots, tickets, and all that kind of stuff. 
So back to sort of the e-commerce side of things, that was a, a major focus of ours actually for the last four years. And with a lot of the distractions happening in the business and, and you know, exiting, um, you know, some of those partners and so on, we really weren't moving there as quickly as, as we would like. And so we acquired, uh, as you saw, Nito back in um, December of last year. And really, the, the main focus of that acquisition was, of course, the customers and the revenue and, and partners and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it was certainly the the people within the organization and their ability to, or sorry, their knowledge and their ability to really accelerate the development of the solution that will become this, you know, call it all, all in one type approach. So really, that's that's our, you know, of the verticals that we support, and we really do support almost all of them, but our two main areas of focus are commerce and publishing. That's really going to cover, you know, a good 80% of a mid-market e-commerce company's tech stuff. Uh-huh. And can you just fill in for our audience, you know, like what is Nito and what, what does that yeah. provide? Yeah. So Nito is an e-commerce platform based out of Australia. They, um, they had only been selling in Australia for the last, I think, 10 years for the most part. So probably less well known globally, um, outside of Australia. They are the second largest platform within Australia, though. So that, you know, just behind Shopify, I think it's more or less neck and neck, but they do get, go quite a bit deeper. They get into inventory management, shipping, order management. They're just a lot broader. They've got a, a, a sizable network of sales channels, um, you know, going beyond like the Facebooks, Instagrams and all that of the world. So they, they've, they've actually done things very similar to Maripost. They've gone quite a bit deeper than, say, just an email service provider, quite a bit deeper than just an e-commerce provider in their case. And so that was right. quite appealing as well, given that we both companies have large ecosystems of partners, right? E-commerce platforms and CRMs and all that kind of stuff that we integrate with. But at the same time, they've added a lot of great technology that they control and own as well. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's well, congratulations on that purchase. Um, clearly that'll give you a big leg up. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Spend, and so many, yeah. Like now you're competing with Shopify. Yeah. The great thing is the platform is already coming together as, as a single solution. So when you log into the platform, you're not just seeing marketing, you're also seeing the commerce side of things. So if you think about it from, you know, ownership or, or a CEO of, again, a mid-market uh, e-commerce company or even a small business because Nito has clients, you know, all the way down to, say, you know, 500000 in revenue per year. You know, that that's really the efficiency we're looking to bring to the table. And of course, most importantly, the data side of things. So getting that snapshot of how your business is doing from an acquisition perspective, from a conversion perspective, from a uh, product perspective, sorry, can all be done in the same solution. Okay, awesome. All right, so why do you feel that Maripost would be the best fit and for which organization? I guess that, that question could be worded a little better, but like, yeah. yeah, what kind of company would be the best fit for Maripost? Is it definitely like a growing e-commerce yeah. brand? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So going back to our two main verticals, so our, our largest, you know, vertical is, of course, commerce. I mean, that that's the dominating factor typically with any, you know, marketing automation provider, but um, uh, we do have a, a significant amount out of publishers that, that make up about 30%. And that can be, you know, Fortune 500 or global publishing companies all the way down to, you know, more mid-market to SMB publishing or content houses as well. But we do, you know, cross the entire board as in, you know, we've got finance companies, we've got airlines, we've got automotive. We do really service uh, a, a lot of clients. And, and I mean, in a lot of cases, it depends on where our customers are coming from. So while, you know, we've got a team of people certainly sourcing, you know, our, our ideal customer profile, which is that mid-market uh, e-commerce company, you know, we do acquire customers from all the enterprise vendors and they come from, you know, just about anywhere. Yeah. So what are your biggest learnings? You've been doing this, you know, you've been building their posts for yeah. about 10 years, right? How much time do you so have? 
<laughs> yeah, as long as you need. Yeah. So we, we've, we've done things quite, as mentioned with a couple of the examples, we've done things differently. You know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think a big part of our story is to look back, you know, whether we, you know, most likely our direction is to, to IPO within, you know, the, the next coming years. Um, and it's not for the sake of just IPOing for no reason it, 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 or the fact that I would want to be involved in a public company. That's not really a goal of mine. But I, I reference that because, you know, we've been a profitable company. We've we've grown, you know, I, I mean, one year we growed like 3,000 or grew 3,000%. So, you know, the capability is there of doing it without, you know, investor capital and, and you know, constantly being in this kind of money raising, grow by all, all costs approach. And so I would say of all the things that I have learned, you know, that that's the biggest piece, which is ironic because we have Mariposa Ventures. So we actually invest in companies through Mariposa mm-hmm. as well. Um, but we're, we're sort of like the, you know, this anti-VC philosophy. And, and I think that's, you know, that that is definitely one of the biggest components is that people can grow their businesses, they can build great products, they can acquire great customers, and they can do it all the while being, you know, profitable and growing, of course, just just the same. And I think that gives, you know, founders and, and executives in my opinion, a more, in a way, a more difficult path, right? Because you're not raising 50 or $100 million, which seems to be, you know, the, the standard these days. You know, I, I guess some of the other learnings that, that I would say is, I mean, a lot of the key or, or kind of common themes, you know, stay focused, right? Well, you know, when we were going through a couple of these major organizational changes, you know, we lost a lot of focus or we had too many products on the go. I mean, arguably we have that today, but we've got, of course, a much larger team to manage it and a much, you know, more direct vision of what the the, the product organization or the, or the um, product suite is going to look like. But I'd say that that's another, you know, kind of core element. And again, a very common theme that you hear from a lot of people, which is just to, to stick to, you know, what you're best at. You know, the other thing I would mention is I think what's also really unique, you know, and sort of a key learning is just deciding who you want to be as a business, like whether it doesn't matter if you're in the tech space, the e-commerce business or any business, a lot of companies don't really know what they aspire to be, right? Everybody wants to build up their business and then of course sell it or, or, or have some semblance of an exit. But where I think one of the, one of the, you know, I shouldn't say few, but it probably is few that are truly building, you know, a long lasting organization. So as soon as we decided that, you know, or that that was our, our direction or our outcome that we were looking for, everything became so much, you know, I wouldn't say easier, but easier at least to, you know, share with the company, share with our customers, share with our partners. Um, and have them join on that same journey that we're heading on. Well, speaking of that journey, so then where do you where do you see our post going in the next two three years? I mean, I heard the word IPO, yeah. but um, <laughs> like, what do you think that will bring yeah. into the company? For us, because um, you know, because we're not interested in in selling to say a, a strategic. So like, we 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 don't want to be purchased by. Shopify or Salesforce or anybody mm-hmm. like that. I, I've seen far too many, uh, as you have as well, major companies, you know, the exact targets, the responses of, of the world uh, do that. And I think that's a great outcome, especially if you're in, you know, kind of the the investment landscape, right, where the founder maybe owns, you know, 5% of the business when, when that actually happens. So, so that's did really work, our... Did, sorry yeah. for cutting you off, but did you did you work with one of those brands? Like you said, because you said you went to the States and you worked in sales for one... In I ESP, worked for a right? couple of them, but, uh, but yeah, n- n- none of the largest ones. But I've, I've been across okay. them, I mean, for, you know, as long as as long as you have, probably. So it's, um, <laughs> you know, you just... It, the one thing I was always very passionate w- about was the product. So even though I, I came from a sales background, I loved doing product demos. I loved, you know, a lot of the advanced functionality. So I really dove into a lot of a lot of those areas. And actually, ironically, that's similar to what's happening today. So we have, of course, have a much larger 
team that's involved, but um, you know, I still have a lot of my inputs around the product uh, arena and sort of the direction we want to take the company in. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, sorry, back to your question around our, our uh, with our two to three year plan. So the the rollout of that sort of overall suite is what's actively happening. So in let's call it you know twelve months from now, our customer will log in and, and manage all three of those core areas of their business. So if I'm setting up a storefront, if I'm launching you know a new journey or or series of campaigns or SMS messaging or addressing you know customer tickets and customer chats and issues that they might have shipping, you know, where, where products are in the landscape. A lot of the, the focus is, is certainly in that area. And, and, you know, because there's really nobody doing that. That's the other key element. And one of the other core pieces to that sort of technology aspect is, and I don't like using this term because I think it's being overused much like AI was a few years ago, but we, we are building ourselves in the way of a, of a CDP. And so it's not that that's our focus, but all the data effectively for the customer or for the customer, sorry, for the customer's customer, that is, will come into a single location. So even if you were using, funny enough, and this ha- actually ha- is happening today. So even if a customer is using our e-commerce platform for you know items one through five, they might still be using Shopify or Magento or Hybris or something else that's out in the market. And so this effectively this you know data layer that we've we've created or the CDP that we've created allows our customers to consume information from anywhere. While at the same time having the single customer view. So if, you know, Hillel is sending out a, a email campaign, of course, that that's going to, you know, show up on Ross's profile or Ross is visiting the site and looking at these products or he submitted a ticket because, you know, shipped or his product hasn't arrived or he's opened up a chat box. All of that is coming into one singular area. So across your business, you know, any department, any person who has access to that gathers all that information on that single customer and can therefore, you know, service and support them better or market to them better. Well, it sounds like early on, like ha- like offering support and live chat, and yeah. also having a support channel integrated with your with on the same ESP, mm-hmm. gave you a huge yep. leg up on, on competition. Yeah, I mean, like for sure, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, like, it'll it'll be a totally different platform. Yeah, like and we're you know what the struggle really is is the struggle is figuring out how to market and message this platform that goes into a number of different directions without, you know, overly confusing the user who's might be just looking for one thing, right? Like you might just be looking for email or marketing automation. And, and that's great. You can just do that if you want. Um, and if you want to have these other areas, so we'll have clients who will come in just using service as an example, and they'll be using Shopify and, and MailChimp and, you know, Salesforce Marketing Cloud and, and whatever. But then of course, we'll naturally look to progress them through the suite of tools. and give them again the flexibility of migrating certain things that might be more difficult over time right now for sure I mean, that's probably a challenge for, i mean it's been a challenge i'm sure for you guys because you're yeah, right like when people are looking for an esp they don't realize oh i don't need a third party to you know to support the support tickets and you know yep. another one for live chat you know well, just it everything becomes crazy it's like one thing. oh 100 yeah. <laughs> i mean from experience of, like plugins. yeah <laughs> Exactly, the world exactly. of plugins and integrations and everyone's, you know, API and dev work and it's yeah. just, yeah, so good for you yeah. <laughs> for, for yeah. dreaming that up and getting it out there. But like you said, the marketing it and, and getting, you know, explaining that in a, in a marketing message in a way that's really, yeah, it's a challenge to just say, mm-hmm. you know, in a few words, 
explaining what that difference is. Yeah, but, exactly. um, it's very difficult to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> without going right. down kind of thinking a, about a confusing it, hole. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you know board meetings and whatever of you know banged heads yeah. against the wall. Like yeah, that's just not yeah. I mean like you know there's a, a dustbin you know full of uh, bad ideas exactly, <laughs> that, went, yeah. <laughs> that were pitched. Yeah, really, really, really cool. Very exciting. So just focusing a little bit more on the inbox, you know, so what, you know, changes do you see in the inbox or is it really yeah. so much about the inbox anymore? You know, like, is it, you know, like. It's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is and it isn't. I mean, I, I don't think the, you know, generic ways of, of email marketing are, are changing as in people are still sending out mass emails. The fastest way to generate, you know, revenue and engagement, all that is still going to be in, the, in that format. You know, are things like product recommendations, content, content recommendations, you know, AI driven messaging, journeys, one-to-one -one messaging, you know, obviously they make a difference, certainly in the respective situations, but we're thinking of, again, e-commerce, really anybody, you know, welcome campaigns, abandoned card campaigns, like people are still doing the basics. And the irony is, some of the largest companies in the world are barely doing the basics, you know, because they're, uh -huh. they've got a lot more red tape every time they want to launch a new campaign or journey or whatever. So do you think the industry has done some good work with simplifying a, a fair amount of that? Like if we, if we, you know, maybe use journeys as the, the easy example, you know, but you're still in that scenario, like we talked about a few minutes ago, you know, you need all these different plugins. So like if you're using an enterprise platform, you need a plugin just to launch some simple journeys, right? Because doing, you know, doing it in the enterprise solutions requires, you know, engineering and development resources that no one has a shortage of, or sorry, an excess of. Um, if you're using some of the, the more, you know, SMB to mid-market solutions, you know, it's still quite difficult. You're limited in terms of, you know, the segmentation splits or the data related splits that might take place for customer A-B testing in those scenarios. And I think the biggest thing, and I should have shared this as part of our, our you know, kind of two to three year plans and something I'm very passionate about is no one has time anymore, right? So they don't have time to even update their journeys. They don't have time to, you know, run, you know, even sometimes subject line testing. Like I believe that you should use A-B testing for every campaign. Even if you're just changing like a couple words in the subject line, it's it's very simple to do that in a lot of platforms. So one thing that we've been actually working on uh, that relates back to this, just the inbox side, is, actually, it's not really inbox. So maybe I'll save this one for after. But I, I think everything is, is relatively remaining the same, you know, as it pertains to just the inbox side of things, you know, working around changes that, you know, Google, Yahoo and all of that make. Obviously, you saw that Yahoo was acquired. Now, I'm curious as to what happens with that since Verizon was integrating all of the sort of uh, deliverability tools and, and inboxes effectively of all, all of those, uh, those different organizations, AOL, Yahoo, Verizon, obviously Comcast and so on. So I think that's going to be just sort of a unique, you know, shift, you know, or or a unique shift in the market where, you know, you have to focus just more on updating the actual, you know, kind of content and strategies you're executing on than thinking more about the deliverability side of things, as an example. Right, right, for sure. And I think you're dead on, you know, in your answer but that, yeah, email's far from dead. <laughs> it's pretty I mean, much a lot. No, no, yeah, not even close to that. And, yeah. and, and you're right, like even just generic messaging, you know, but mm -hmm. the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And that's really, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and that, that's sort of a good segue into one of the comments I was going to make, which was one thing we've done, and we haven't really come up with terminology around it because no one's doing this either, is we basically created 
let's call it a marketing assistant. It's not it's not AI driven, you know, it's machine learning for the most part. But what is what we're really looking to shift from is to allow our customers to receive notifications to make changes within, let's say, their account or within their strategy. So if Ross hasn't looked at, I can use journeys again because it's easy. If Ross hasn't looked at journeys in the last, you know, six months or sorry, a journey in the last six months, it will notify you of that and notify you of changes that you should make down the line. So if it says, hey, you've been running this A-B split test in this journey, you know, check this to see who the winner is and optimize the campaign. And whether that optimization is just updating a subject line, ideally, obviously changing the content and then able to run a new split. Those re uh, reminders or recommendations will really kind of change the direction of how I think the marketers these days execute on, on a strategy. Because a lot of the recommendations is, will, of course, be based on the data that we're seeing, right? If you've got, you know, hello went in day one and set up a welcome series or an abandoned cart journey or something like that, and, you know, left it there for six months, didn't touch it, or even frankly, a year or, or more, which I've, I've certainly seen, you know, this gives you that reminder to come back and check and make sure that, you know, there isn't revenue being left on the table, or there isn't engagement being missed, because this content is just, you know, relatively out of date. So I think that's a really important, you know, direction for the industry as a whole to head in. You know, my belief is there's not a ton of innovation occurring on the, especially on the email side of things in particular. But I think there's a lot of, you know, kind of new, you know, philosophies that can be embedded in, in these strategies. And that's that's definitely one that we're focused on. Right. I was wondering, because I just recently did an episode about this, but AMP for email. Is that something Maripost will be supporting? Uh, yeah, we, the, we do now, actually. Yeah, oh, we support it now. Right yeah, we do. I, I don't think there's enough you know, conversation happening around that. It's just kind of something that happened and a few people are talking <laughs> about it. But it's, yeah, I, you know, it's, so it's something we support. It's just not something we've, we've heavily, you know, promoted as part of the application. It really goes to what you were talking about that like, you know, companies don't have time necessarily to, no. to really take advantage of like even great tools that are available. It's just, you know, like even getting good mm -hmm. messaging out there and making sure the emails that are automated are up to date and not sending totally irrelevant mm -hmm. emails because you haven't mm -hmm. been paying attention. But even what you said about your own platform that, yeah, like you'll get an email, like you've been running this A-B test for the last six months. <laughs> you have yeah. enough data yeah, to I mean, check it in well, and pick a people just People just forget, right? And that that is, you know, it's another area we're, we're heavily focused mm -hmm. on, which is ensuring, you know, of course, every, you know, year we add more and more or hundreds of new customers. And so, People who were on the platform five years ago didn't have access to all these these you know new features, new functionality. And while of course we let them know through webinars and emails and all that kind of stuff, they don't always have the time to implement them. So one thing that we're we're very cognizant of is also when customers come onto the platform. You know, I think everybody should be doing this to ensure that you really check off as many boxes as you can. And some platforms are doing this quite well, and some platforms aren't doing it well at all. But I think that goes a long way because at least there's something there, right? Because it's one thing to have something versus nothing. And then they're like, no, no, forget it. We'll, we'll put that on the Q3, you know, action item list, which never ends up, you know, being executed on. Right, for sure. Yeah. For sure. We kind of touched on this already, but, you know, if you talk about maybe the top two or three, I think we're going to talk about customer service and, and, and the all-in-one, you know, mm -hmm. stuff that you've been building, really. Yeah. A lot of that would fall within there. I mean, almost everything, we should ask this question first. Um, all, all, of that, all the areas we covered really set us apart. I mean, we're, yeah, like the email side of, of things is easy, but I mean, we do uh, SMS, we do push in at messaging. So our, our customer, 
or sorry, so I guess you can say our SMS first or our push in app messaging first. Customers are, you know, growing, growing more, more over time. You know, the, the all-in-one solution is really going to be the, you know, the, the huge sort of leap in the opposite direction of, of what would be considered the entire, you know, email marketing or marketing automation space today as, as far as we see it, because there really just isn't a, a competitive landscape for that type of solution unless you want to have literally a good 15 or 20 providers, you know, that are all plugged into a solution, which, which is what people are doing today. But I think, you know, if I, if I were just focused on the email side of things, I would say it's, you know, a lot of that, you know, kind of CDP marketing assistant, you know, machine learning functionality that we're building or effectively just how we're building it or the use cases we're building it for that are quite a bit different. All right. So what are your top five email marketing tips? Yeah, all five are kind of the same, ironically. I mean, more automation, you know what I mean? Leverage as recommendations where, where you can, especially if you're doing the one-to-one communication. Don't, you know, underestimate the the power of, you know, of mass email or, or bulk messaging. That's still, as we were discussing, it's still the, the reigning champ in terms of, you know, e-commerce and driving revenue. Like, I think that the, you know, just centering on that, you know, kind of tip for one second, the you know, the focus on, you know, the strategy from an automation and a content recommendation or personalization perspective is great, but you spend, you know, 10 or, 20, or probably far more than that, actually, probably more than 20 times the amount of time executing on those strategies, then ensuring that some of the more simplistic strategies you do have are performing really, really well, right? So I st- again, I still see customers doing this today. They don't use A-B testing, as we mentioned, or multivariate testing. And it's really you know, simple or, or, or an insignificant amount of time to just do a really good job with individual campaigns. Maybe that's a, a, a good example to use. I think one of the, you know, one of the top email marketing, you know, tips I would say for 2021 is just making sure you're working with, you know, the right provider. And it depends, of course, on the size of the company, right? Like if I'm talking about SMB, it's really hard to go to, you know, to MailChimp or to Klaviyo or to somebody like that and, and expect them to be invested in your success, if you know what I mean. But for the you know, for the mid-market and certainly for, for the, the, you know, I'm hesitant to use enterprise because that doesn't always apply, but the enterprise side of things, it's just finding a provider that is truly invested in like the success and the goals of the company. I think that really goes a long way. It's something that we've, as a company, have really focused on for, for our customers. It's not about Maripost, but there are others out there that are, are doing the same. And I think that's, you know, that's a really important factor. Yeah, I would say those would be, I think I've got four there. What else would I recommend? <laughs> I, actually, I think one of the the other key components is that companies, you know, companies aren't as focused on deliverability anymore. It seems, especially the, the you know the the you know kind of let's call it the upper mid market to to enterprise. I think that there's you know there's more of an emphasis on you know features, feature functionality, and of course the analytics side. But there's there's a little less you know dedication to the to the um, delivery aspect of it all. I, I think that's super important. I'm sure you do as well. But I, I would say you know. Gathering as much data as you can on, you know, inbox placement, ensuring that the provider or providers you're working with give you visibility into sort of like blacklist monitoring, because that is still very important. It can still be a huge detriment to, you know, the success of an email or marketing automation strategy. So I think that's a really important factor. Obviously, we've seen the consolidation happen, you know, in that industry with uh, return path validity, you know, and now 250OK all being under one roof. So there's really nobody else, but I, there are a couple providers I know out there. Inbox Aware is one of them. Kickbox is another that are, you know, launching more functionality into that arena. And I think that's a really important, uh, you know, 
I guess you'd say toolkit or, or tool within the toolkit of of any you know kind of marketing automation leader. For sure, I know like the yeah. ESPs. I mean, you're one of them. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, they're investing a lot in having like you know com- you know deliverability and compliance officers and yeah. um, you know coaching. Well, some, and some are, right? some are. Yeah, and and I mean, there's that. I think that's the one thing we just said, like the the coaching side of things. Like there's there's you know a lot of companies do really well with you know coaching people on how to use their platforms. Um, some less, even even <laughs> sometimes Maripost. But um, you know, one one thing we again that's I, I find or just based on what I've seen is is the delivery side is sort of falling at the wayside, and and it creates an unintended expectation that the you know, that the platform, I'm not talking about Maripost, just in general, needs to, you know, or is accountable to, all, to the this area where it's, it's you know, it's not 100%, but it's nearly 100%, you know, on the companies. And it's based on content. It's based on your domain reputation. It's based on the, the strategy that you're executing on. It's based, obviously, on complaints. So, I, you know, I think that's just the continues to be a very important arena to focus on. Oh, for sure. Okay. And what are, what are the big, I mean, you just deliverability. Let's go with that one. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the easiest one. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Talking, um, talking you about know, the top pitfalls. Yeah. Just the, yeah. You know, I, know I mean, deliverability about. is one. You know, I would say, again, going back to um, one of the comments before, you know, ensuring you're leveraging, you know, the most mm-hmm. valuable technology that your, your service provider offers, right? Not just, you know, I know I was advocating for sort of like the batch and blast or the mass email side of things, because I think people are going too far down, you know, the one to one side of things. But I think just leveraging, you know, again, the most valuable functionality of those platforms, while ensuring again, that you're with a provider that makes it easy to do that, right? So going back to my comment earlier, right, if you need an engineer or developer to execute on something like you're unlikely to be have a successful quarter, a successful year, or actually, or let's call it a, a profitable quarter, a profitable year as it pertains to your marketing program. I'd say that is one of the the main. I mean, you know, not to re- refer to any competition or anything like that, but that is one of the major pitfalls. People typically think, you know, some of the enterprise platforms are the right solutions for them, but they're really the wrong solutions for them because the ROI just drops dramatically. You know, like as in if you're if you're going to generate, I'm just making up a number here, but you know, five hundred thousand a month in in marketing automation revenue, and you're a mid market or an enterprise uh, organization. But it costs you, you know, two hundred or three hundred mm-hmm. just in in service fees, you know, from whether that be design, whether that be execution, whether that be, you know, internal employees and so on. You know, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. You're at kind of a neutral position. It becomes almost more of a branding exercise. And I've seen more and more companies do this on the enterprise side poorly. And I've seen a lot of companies, ironically, on sort of more. SMB side, you know, do it really well. When I say do it really well, I mean, find the right platform and literally leverage every, you know, feature function as best they can out of it and truly, you know, appreciate the power of, you know, of email and of of the marketing automation side of things. Because you can use, I mean, you can use platforms that cost $1,000 a month and generate, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions in revenue a month. And I've seen it. Some of our customers do it all the time. Yeah, you know, we have a few clients who generate over, they're in e-commerce, obviously, but generate over 75% of their revenue from email, which I think is insane. Oh, but hey, if you're, sure. you know, if you're really great at it and, you know, the, the ROI is, you know, in the, you know, hundreds to one, you know, why not? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's another one you mentioned before is not doing A-B testing, which is just, especially if you're yeah. running on a big list, a huge campaign. I think uh, it's super it's, common. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, lost, it's just lost revenue, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. What do you see in your inbox that makes you cringe? You're going to laugh. So I, I literally don't subscribe to almost a single email campaign or, or email newsletter or anything like that. I think, I mean, I also receive about a thousand emails a day. So it's uh, maybe not a thousand, probably around 700. So I, I naturally want 
I don't know. None. None. I mean, so because a lot of the stuff that I track as it pertains to, you know, day to day work, I'm doing that in, in other systems, right? We, ha we have, you know, inbox monitoring tools, so I can see content and campaigns and strategy. And, you know, I, I, I really enjoy actually the design side of things. Actually, you know, I, I cringe when I see spam in my inbox as somebody who's sort of in the <laughs> and spam arena. You know, what, what will be a good example, actually? And I'm trying to think of like, because I, I still get emails from companies that, you know, actually, ironically, probably have a poor email marketing strategy. So let's say I bought a a, a plane ticket from a, an airline, you know, three years ago, and then just now I'm getting an email from them. I still remember because I know I took that flight, but I'm like, why am I getting this email three years? Maybe that's one. That's a good example. Um, and I'm, I'm using that as an example because I'm staring at an email right now and I won't reference the company, but I took a flight with them, I think even four years ago. I was overseas. I was in Asia and this is the first email I've ever received. From them. So it's four years later. It took me to get from, from purchasing the ticket to to onto their email list. I would say that makes me cringe because it actually makes me feel or, or realize how, you know, these, again, go back to the point we were saying before, how these companies struggle to execute on a proper strategy and how, you know, the, the if there's any engineering requirements, as in if you can't simply make a connection between your booking system and your marketing automation solution, like how much revenue has this company, you know, missed, right? So every time I've flown to that country since, I've not booked with them, right? That is the whole essence of of the conversation they should be looking to have. So I'd say that that's probably a, a, a pretty good example, actually. And I, I, another good one, now that we're on this topic and I can complain for a second, is I see this a lot in travel and hospitality, which is ironically what just reminded me of that, where you receive these emails, especially from, and I don't want to use any names, but from the you know kind of travel aggregators, let's say, where the email looks, there's just so much happening, right? You know, book a ticket, book a hotel, book a car, book a, book insurance, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, how would a person, you know, dissect or work their way through that? You know what I mean? And, and figure out like, well, what was I, why did I even, you know, why did I even come to this site? Or why did I even subscribe to this newsletter? Like, what was the point? I do believe that, you know, companies need to get a little bit, you know, in, in that regard, need to get quite a bit more, you know, pointed in the approach that they're taking, which ironically is the reverse to the conversation we were having before. <laughs> like in those scenarios, if Hillel is looking to go to, you know, uh, Europe or, or Spain, let's say, as an example, he's just trying to go to Spain, right? So let's get him to go to Spain with us or with one of our partners, you know, I mean, to, to then generate that revenue. And that's where, ironically, the, the one-to-many approach wouldn't work well. Um, and you have to be, you know, extremely granular in what you're trying to accomplish. Right. I think what you're pointing out is that really, like, Batch and Blast can work for certain brands that maybe, let's say, have a lot of products. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and, or, or, or the opposite. I mean, they yeah. are selling more or less a few products, you know, and it's a niche audience. Yeah. And yeah. Again well, and again. well, like, as a good example, if, mm -hmm. if um, airline, if Lufthansa is offering, like, you know, a discount on all their flights. Yes, you can send that to everyone. You know what I mean? But if Hillel is looking to go to Madrid, right, sending him an offer or, or an email that relates to Lufthansa and discounts for everyone is not, not going to be helpful. By getting the information that that was what he was looking at or the ticket he was looking at or the trip he was looking at booking into the campaign to thereby, you know, further facilitate that booking. That's, I think, where there's this huge disparity in terms of the effort that's required to you know, execute on that strategy, I suppose you could say. Do you have any favorite brands in the inbox? Like emails you actually do subscribe to? For, and yeah, for the guy who doesn't subscribe to any emails. Here, I'm actually doing a quick <laughs> scroll. Let's see what's in here. <laughs> to be honest with you, not really. It's ter terrible okay. for me to say that. But um, like I've, yeah, I've actually gone back over two days here. <laughs> uh, 
so I obviously, of course, I have favorite brands, but um, I'm very much a creature of habit. So I wear, you know, the, the same clothing. I wear the same shoes. I wear the same, you know, uh, I use the same services consistently. I just find that's much easier in terms of day to day decisions. But um, yeah, I mean, none none of those really relate to their their email or marketing automation strategy. To be honest with you, it's more right. related to just my my comfort of of utilizing and and you know the reputation of those services, which I think is is a big part of the marketing automation strategy as well. Is continuing to you know develop again your brand and develop the the reputation that you want your customers to feel when they do see your email come in or when they do see you know your your products come into their inbox. Okay, so now we'll go a little bit back in history. When you actually got emails yeah. <laughs> from yeah. brands, like you have any favorite? Like you once worked for uh, one of the ESPs so, or multiple. I'm saying any yeah. campaigns, email campaigns that you've seen, and like, wow, that was amazing. Yeah, um, back when Uber launched in Toronto, they had a really great series of campaigns. So Toronto, um, I, I don't think most people would know this. When Uber was was launching, Toronto was actually one of their their key markets. So they it was the first place globally that offered all of Uber's services. So Uber Pool, Uber X, Uber you know every one of them. Um, like I think actually now even when you go in there as an example, I think there's three of them in in Stockholm, Sweden. Toronto has like seven or eight or something like that. And so when they when they first launched their their um, you know obviously uh, service in in Toronto, there was of course a lot of interest. And they did a really great job of getting people from understanding the service, you know, which again was relatively foreign at the time. We we're all used to just you know taxis and so on. To getting people into the car, I guess, I guess you could say. So it's in utilizing utilizing a combination of explaining what the service means, like you're getting into a car with a random person. Plus, you know, we're going to give you some funds to to take your first trip. Plus. You know, we're going to ask you about your experience after the fact and ensure that we leverage that that data to, you know, further communicate with you and then further uh, improve on on the, you know, effectively the web, the booking and so on experience as well. So I guess the reason I'm, I'm referencing that is you could see a direct correlation between the content that you were getting into your inbox and the experience you were receiving, you know, while using the app and while using the actual services in getting into the car and then and then the post uh, experience there as well. I'd say that was one of the best ones because I actually felt like it was all one-to-one communication, which it, it certainly would have been in terms of, you know, transactional and all that kind of stuff. But it, it you know, everyone would have been receiving the same thing given the, you know, tens of thousands or, or hundreds of thousands of bookings that they do every single month. For sure. So, and so that was it's funny you mentioned them specifically because I've seen examples from them. That people, mm -hmm. you know, that highlight. Yeah, there, and and it's, I think one of the key elements, so like going back to the comment around that I made around the design friendly side of things, is that's you know that's an area that I, I've actually been trying to explore further. As in, you know, who who is you know who's doing who's running great campaigns from a design perspective, not just from a you know conversion. Obviously, that's what they're trying to do anyway. But I think you know, much like the hundreds of websites we see every day, right? There is a a, a significant amount of appeal to a great looking email campaign, whether that's, you know, I'm trying to think of one that I saw actually from a company called Lyft Flyboards, if you're familiar with them. So they're, they're, it's like a little, have you heard of them before, before I explain that? No, no, no I have not. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a, basically a board, it's a hydrofoil. So there's a mast coming down below and then there's a little electric motor that is effectively propelling you out of the water. It's a really neat, neat product that, um, that one of my friends has. And um, they they did a, a campaign, and it was it was clearly less of a sales campaign, like not necessarily meant to you know push people outside of the, the design aspect, but it was extremely you know I guess you could say high resolution. It reminds you of you know a lot of the sites you see that are more you know kind of the panoramic imagery, you know, showing like Mount Everest in like high definition. It was that in an email, and I always 
I always really resonated with that campaign in particular, just because I felt like, you know, it connected with people who are really, you know, interested in that side of things. I don't mean the design side of things. I just mean that, you know, that, that photography that we all see and we're like, wow, like that's just such a beautiful shot. You know, and when you can see that, whether it's on a website, in an email, in a message of, of some sort, I think that really comes across as, you know, a, a, as a valuable experience. Whether you even cared about the product or whatever they were selling or not is, is another story. What are your proudest achievements at Maripost so far? Oh, there's a lot of them. I'd say one of the one of the you know going back and, and thinking a little bit on the product side of things is our our journey builder back when we launched it, which was like nine years ago or eight years ago, was definitely you know well beyond its its time. You know that that was sort of a key element on the on the product side of things. You know, a- executing on on the vision that we've been doing now is certainly proud. Obviously, we haven't finalized that achievement, but you know, being able to acquire a company for sixty million dollars that um, you know with absolutely no you know venture or investor funding, I think is you know certainly makes me proud of of the team and what we've been able to do over the last you know ten years. The fact that. Jeez, where do I where do I start? Oh, I guess you're asking for one, so maybe I should stop there. I would say just yeah, I would say that last one would certainly would certainly be the most recent, and and you know on the product side, you know launching that journey tool that we did and the amount of time we did it as well. I, I've seen our our technical team literally launch features in like 30 minutes. I remember one time they they launched something into the application while I was doing a demo. As in, we we were talking about this feature on the demo, and they launched it into the account I was doing the demo on, and and for everybody else. During that time, it wasn't, of course, you know, it wasn't like uh, launching dynamic content or personalization or something like that. But mm-hmm. it was still pretty, pretty exciting to see. And, you know, something that really makes me proud of, of, of the team that we built. Awesome. All right. We're going to the other way. Hope you can handle it. So what's your prov- biggest professional fashla, which is a Hebrew slang word for faux pas or screw up? <laughs> and you can pass um, on this if you want. Yeah, that was tough. from there. You know, I would say getting actually, I mean, the easiest one, and it, it's a bit generic, obviously, but um Getting distracted, you know, about five five years ago with you know bringing on partners and you know and then you know expanding the team in in sort of ways that were outside of my at the time experience, right? So hiring people from different companies that you you think have the same philosophies, and it, this actually goes back to the start of the call. You asked me, you know, how growing up in a small town, you know, has impacted the you know the way I sort of work today is. You know, I, I think that everybody's just being honest and transparent and there's no, you know, hidden agendas. And that's not like a complaint. Every, you know, just people are the way they are. And and so I think when you come from a, a small town, you don't really realize a lot, a lot of that. So we sort of went through this period that, you know, the mistake would have been how how I thought everybody was just singing the same tune that I was, when in reality they weren't. They were singing their own tune or they had different motivations or different outcomes they were looking for that didn't relate to the you know vision of the company. Um, or effectively the direction that we were looking to go in. And that really hurt, is why I say that. It wasn't like, this wasn't just like a, uh, like Ross had a couple bad weeks. Like it was like four years of of not ideal recurring situations, I suppose you could say. And I think that's when, you know, not to turn it into an entrepreneurial comment, but that's that would have been a time if I could ever equate it to a moment where somebody, somebody, I'm not saying myself, but somebody would quit, it would be in that moment. You know, and, and that's what I talk a lot about, uh, you know, in, in just general context, talk a lot about, you know, how people should build their businesses and how that will help. It's not always about the monetary or the growth side of things. It's a lot of times about just, you know, how they will be able to work their way or weave their way through the, the, the landscape that is starting or building a business. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So thanks a lot. That was definitely what yeah. to think about. For sure. And now I'm just giving you the floor and you can just say whatever you want. Yeah. It's your boss's final thoughts. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I think it's just never forgetting, you made the comment before, like just how critical and valuable. Actually, this is one of the most important things. I should have used this a few few times or said it a few times. I do feel like marketing automation uh, and, and emails, well, are being diminished in a way in, in that everybody's looking for the new shiny toy all the time. So they're, you know, dropping, let's say, hundreds of thousands or in many cases, millions of dollars into strategies that are new, but aren't necessarily proven. It's not that you should ignore those things, right? It's that companies in general should approach them from a, a testing perspective. But because they've been, you know, tackling the shiny and new, you know, they're ignoring the things that really can drive significant value, whether that's, again, as we talked about from a branding perspective, obviously, most importantly, from a revenue perspective, but from a content perspective, from a, a, a you know, I don't even want to say thought leadership, but just from even from a, you know, from a thought leadership perspective, I suppose you could say. I think that's a part that just in some ways is getting ignored in, in, in certain verticals. So not, not in all, right? Like, as you know, this sort of SMB mid-market arena is really experiencing a resurgence because of not only some of the platforms that are out there, but because of the appreciation that that size of a business has for being able to spend $1 and generate $300 worth of revenue. Right. And, and that that is not extending itself into, you know, kind of the mid market, upper mid market. You know, it's certainly not into the enterprise where we're going back to that ROI conversation we had before. So I think for, you know, for anybody, you know, thinking about their programs or, or how valuable it, it is, it's, it, you know, execute on the basics and just do it really well and, and continue that and, and ensure that you have a direct correlation between, you know, the effort or the resources or even the cost side of things and, and the outcome. Right, which for some industries is harder, right? You're not going to go and send out five email campaigns and sell like 25,000, you know, BMWs or something like that. But there is, you know, there are efforts that companies can make to truly understand the value that's coming out of it, it right. being a program. Well, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been really great talking to you. I really appreciate you coming on the on the program. So I just wish yeah. you a lot of luck. Uh, we'll be talking to Mar Post a lot, I'm sure. And and you know, if you'd like to become a sponsor of Inboxing, you know, we'd be happy yeah. to take your board. Absolutely. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And that's our show for today. Really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and uh, leave a review. Inboxing is looking for sponsors for season two. Now, we're wrapping up season one right now, but if you're interested in being a sponsor for season two, please reach out to me at Hillel at Hillelberg.com.